CEOs who focus on re-architecting supply chain. CEOs who are focused on being in the details. The delight is in the details of operations can effectuate a change in this new era. In the world of technology, heroes are everywhere. They're overcoming disruption, delivering sustainable outcomes, and fearlessly forging the future to solve what's next. Join me, Ed McNamara, as we meet the people and businesses driving change in our constantly disruptive world. This is Innovation Heroes, a podcast brought to you by SHI. Innovation Heroes is a production of SHI. See how we can help your business solve what's next with stress-free, scalable solutions that you and your people will love. Visit shi.com slash solve what's next today. Welcome back to another episode of Innovation Heroes, the podcast exploring the people and businesses driving change in a constantly disrupted world. I'm your host, Ed McNamara. You may think of Kenmore as your grandmother's brand, and it was. I mean, my own grandmother is only six years older than the Kenmore company that started by selling sewing machines in 1913. But from there, it started selling its iconic brand of home appliances, including washing machines, vacuums, refrigerators, freezers, and more. But Kenmore was challenged when the Sears department stores, those neighborhood staples where its products were sold, declared bankruptcy. This week, we're talking to Shri Solar, the recently appointed CEO of Kenmore Brands. Shri has a fascinating history working in product innovation, developing wearable technology, robotics, and other innovations at companies like HP, Shark Ninja, and Comcast. We will be talking about how Shri has brought innovation to Kenmore, a 100-plus-year-old company. In just about 18 months at Kenmore, Shri has doubled licensing revenue and scaled the brand to thousands of new locations. He's using agile business methods and software development principles to accelerate problem solving. And he's doing it all while bringing the brand into the smart home and clean energy markets. Shree, thanks so much for being here today. Ted, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So in our pre-interview, you mentioned that at heart, you've always been a product creator. Uh, can you tell us how you first became interested in, in this field of, of product creation? Uh, and how did you go on to help create and market wearable technology and robotics? Yeah, uh, very simple. Early on, uh, I was highly influenced by my mother. And um, in in the very early days, we built um, vacuum tube-based radios. You know, this is much before silicon semiconductors. And the, you're talking about the 80s in, in India. And that gave me a better appreciation about building products that add value. But you also need to know and understand how to make money adding value. Right. That was really, really important. And, and the third piece is making sure that you have a competitive advantage of some sort because there will be hundreds of people who are looking to solve for the same pain point. And those three vectors were deeply imbued into me in a very early stage. Now, you bring up wearables and robotics. And early on in my career, I became an entrepreneur at HP. 
And as a part of that entrepreneurship, it was all about building new lines of businesses. And we realized early on before Apple Watch came into being, remember the early days end of Pebble? Yeah. We realized that they were fashion watches like, you know, Fossil and Movado. And we knew that the smart watches were coming in to disrupt. And we found that little pinpoint on how do we take a company that makes fashion watches and make smarter watches? It doesn't have to necessarily be a smart watch, but a watch that's a wee bit more smarter than the the specific watches from Fossil and Movado. And uh, we built an array of products, smart products for Hugo Boss, Juicy Couture, Ferrari, Coach, Titan, and, and some of the really, really well-known brands, not just in the United States, but in Europe and in Asia. So that gave me a better understanding of understanding the brand specific idiosyncrasies associated with products and building products that are brand compliant. And then we move that to the next stage. You know, you have IoT based products, wearables are IoT, but when you have IoT on wheels, it becomes robots. Right. And it was just a natural extension to build robots for brands like Shark, and then I went on to build industrial robots for Berkshire and Gray. So that's been my journey, you know, when it comes to product. I, I thanks for for sharing your your initial story. Um, I, I love the the vacuum tube radio. So so you know, I'm coming to you from Central New Jersey now, and whenever possible, by law, by New Jersey law, I have to make a Bruce Springsteen tie in to everything. And he he actually talks quite fondly about being a a child and going and finding old discarded radios with his grandfather and fixing them up and then and then selling them back to people. So if you get a chance to check out the 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 Broadway show, uh, he he did that exact thing as a kid and. He said the fascination with with the, the sound coming through those tubes and bringing that information to other people was something that stayed with him forever, obviously. So I, I had to share that by law. I don't want to be out of compliance here in New Jersey, but I really love that that beginning uh, there. And, and I can already oh. see when you were talking about developing the, wear, the wearables for Hugo Boss and Coach and Titan, some established brands you know that's like I, i'm already seeing a theme develop uh, here in terms of what you what you've been doing with kenmore so I, I guess that that begs the question you know you kind of had an outsider's perspective on the kenmore brand you know what were your first impressions of the company when you were first approached about you know taking over the top spot uh two things one it's a really really well-known brand so um Bear with me as I explain this. Sure. It's 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 a really well-known brand. It's a household name. So I was really happy that someone would even consider me for this job. The second one is, I'm a first-time CEO, Ed. Mm. And I have to be like, oh my God, this is such a big role in, in terms of I'm being handed this brand and I'm the custodian, I'm the guardian, I'm someone who will have to nurture this brand for the next few generations, right? I, I have to set it in such a stage that this is going to last for the next 100, 200, 300 years. Right. So 
my point of view there was um, I was afraid and excited <laughs> at the same time. I mean, it's it's a lot of responsibility. This this brand is associated with you know Americana and you know literally, literally generations. So I, I can I can absolutely appreciate it. And uh, and what a place to to take over the that your, your your first time in the in in the CEO chair. Yeah. Um, look, if if you know if if you actually look at the history, uh, twenty eighteen. Uh, went into bankruptcy, the assets were brought over, bought over by a hedge fund, uh, and the creation of the new company was Transform Core. So you're talking about 2019, there are like major like four streams of businesses. Um, one is real estate, the second one is Sears Home Services, which is your uh, thousands of repair technicians who make, you know, what, close to around 80,000 visits to people's homes every week, mm -hmm. 80,000 every week, which is, wow. uh, you know, which is massively significant. Uh, then you have the brands like Kenmore and Die Hard that I'm responsible for. And th there is also a fintech component uh, called Shop Your Way. Um, so it, it's, think of this as like a conglomerate. And I'm one of the CEOs in this conglomerate responsible for the brands. Um, and then uh, that, that, that was in 2019. And, uh, you know, I took over as the CEO, you know, like a year and a half ago. At Right. So uh, in terms of the, the, the bankruptcy of Sears, the department store, it must have been a huge inflection point for, for Kenmore. Can you, can you tell us, you know, um, what was the state of the brand when you when you started as, as CEO? I, I believe they had already come through um, the series had come through, through that bankruptcy. Um, and and what what did what challenges did you face at that time? Um, number one, Kenmore was a house brand, which was not externalized other than Amazon. So to give you an example, if you wanted to buy a Kenmore product, you had to go into Sears. And that was one way of maintaining footfalls into the Sears stores, right? That was one of the draw, but that's a double-edged sword. Now, after the company went through bankruptcy and the number of Sears retail locations started to close, the Kenmore business started to fall because mm -hmm. it was directly tied to the retail locations. The company started to externalize the brand. And when I say externalize the brand, which means selling outside the Sears footprint in 2020. But, Ed, very few people know this. Kenmore products were created by well-known manufacturing companies mm -hmm. like Whirlpool, like Electrolux, like LG, and what I'm trying to highlight is when a company goes through bankruptcy and comes back out, and Kenmore had a massive market share. Now, if those brands that were manufacturing the products held back supply, they would gain because their brands would do really, really well. Wow. So if Kenmore products were being sold in, let's say, on Amazon, 
and they were products from other manufacturers who have their own house brand are being sold in Amazon. And if the Kenmore product was made by those companies, think about the dynamics. If they held back supply, they would gain market share. Wow. So what is really interesting is when I took over the helm of the company 18 months ago, Mm -hmm. we had a supplier for refrigerator. Mm -hmm. One. One. It would have been impossible for you to get a range, a dishwasher, a washer dryer in 2020. I'm sorry, in in 2022. Mm -hmm. So I came in and looked at the supply constraint and said, let's open up supply. But I could not go back to the usual suspects. And, and I say this, if you are good at supply chain, and, and I want to quote Professor Scott Galloway, and, and, and there was a recent article or where he highlighted that CEOs who focus on re-architecting supply chain, CEOs who are focused on being in the details, the delight is in the details of operations, right. can effectuate a change in this new era. Yeah, you know, he, he goes and says, in the 1990s, if you were in marketing, you know, you, you could become the CEO. Mm-hmm. In a decade before that, if you were in sales, you would become the CEO. And he says, in the new era, if you are in supply chain, if you are in engineering, if you are in the details, that's your path to being a CEO. And I can tell you from last year to this year, or, you know, we have added and re-architected our supply chain completely. And I'm very happy to say that going into this year, you will be able to find Kenmore ranges, dishwashers, washer dryers, refrigerators of different kind in the marketplace. And all this and in the last 18 months. And, and think about it. To build a product, the product life cycle, especially for major appliances, mm-hmm. is like three years or so. Right. Two, you know, if you push it, but getting something done within a year is really, really excruciatingly hard. And I'm, I'm really grateful for the team that stepped up, that trusted us with the process. And that's that's number one. The second one is, if you walked into retail locations last year, and even if your life depended on it, Ed, it would be really hard for you to find a Kenmore product on shelf. And this year, Kenmore products are going to be available in 5,278 locations, including all Target and BJ's. And I can go on and on and on. Feeling overwhelmed by all the buzz? Think Gen AI might be a game changer, but don't know where to start? SHI has you covered. We're rolling out a new series of executive briefings and workshops focused on generative AI. These aren't just any briefings. They're your roadmap to innovation designed by technology experts you can trust. These five new offerings dive deep, exploring what AI runs in, what it runs on, and what it's used for. 
From establishing your own Gen AI program from the ground up, to high-level overviews of Gen AI in cybersecurity and the Microsoft ecosystem, there's a briefing custom-built for your needs. So what's your next move? Contact your SHI account executive today or head to shi.com to request your briefing. Your journey into generative AI begins now. I, it, it's, it's, really, um, it's really hitting home. A lot of people don't realize that Tylee, our CEO at SHI, long before she, um, she purchased SHI, ran a furniture company and said that it was a really difficult business because you sold somebody a couch and you didn't see them again for 10 years. Right? And I think that um, I, I can only imagine that because of the, the turnaround time that you were talking about, like you really have to be out in front of people. They're, they're, you don't get a second chance. Like it's literally going to be years before you have a, another chance to sell. You know that that person, the the, the products that, that 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 you're saying. One question for you about the value back. You know, you said that that Whirlpool and LG and Electrolux were were the were the manufacturers. Was it important for you to you know, and you said that they, they could have, you know, in theory, in, in maybe increased their market share by holding back, you know, the the, su the supply of like Kenmore. Like how, how, in prioritizing what you needed to do, how important was it to sell your value back up to, to those suppliers saying like, hey, like we're going to, we're, we're going to, don't think of us and Sears at the same time, like think of, of Kenmore going forward, like to your suppliers. I mean, w was that a priority? In a way, I wanted to attempt. There, there were other CEOs before me who had come in and taken that path of reinvigorating the traditional supply chain, mm -hmm. pre-bankruptcy supply chains. And there was marginal success. And what I wanted to do was test the hypothesis of bringing on new emerging OEMs, hungry emerging OEMs into the fold. And that was a much faster approach, Ed. Much, much, much faster. And what I did was I started to look at emerging OEMs who have differentiated feature sets, who actually run faster to be a part of my supply chain partnerships. Got it. And I'm thinking of your IT background, especially with HP. You know, you, you know the IT landscape is full of uh, <laughs> competitors and frenemies and, and everything. It, you, you must have been able to call upon that experience a little bit in terms of, um, you know, where, where you're actually going to get your um, supplies from. Yeah. And look, uh, I think um, Comcast, Sharp Ninja, um, and I've literally slept in factories around the world. And the path that we took was um, pretty innovative. And uh, we re-architected our supply chain, which is paying off at this point in time. You know, we leaned in on quality. We leaned in on the speed of operation. And then, and then this is something that I was going to highlight later in your podcast is I took some of the principles of software development, like weekly right. sprints and incorporated that into the business of operations. So our whole company works on weekly sprints, including legal supply chain, product engineering, and 
I literally publish what I'm going to be doing for the next week. And every member of my team, basically, they come in and, and they talk about what their weekly goals are. Look, what is not measured will never get done. And again, here, the mindset is the delight should be in the details. In terms of the, the speed at which this has happened, I mean, do you, I work at a company that, that has, you know, private ownership and I say private because it's um, you know it's not open to you know we're, we're not listed on, on on Wall Street or, or anything like that do you think you had an advantage in terms of like the speed with which you could accomplish things based on your you know government governance structure yeah look um, it's very simple if if in addition to not being publicly listed and you know we, we, we don't talk about sales uh, and then and numbers, but I, I can tell you this, um, having the whole company on weekly sprints, in fact, I meet with the chairman of my board every week, every week. Mm -hmm. So there are no surprises whatsoever. And second, there is progress week over week. And that absolutely helps. And that, you know, helps 100%. In, in, in addition to that, we have a certain ethos and, you know, I'm not going to go through the ethos. Um, but, you know, I go with the ethos of leadership has to be earned. It's never bestowed. So never take anything for granted. The ethos of consistent blue-collared work ethic, you know, uh, I really think making progress, incremental progress every day, the power of compounding will work in your favor. You don't have to be a genius. Every day, if you make small improvements at the end of the year, the cumulative improvement that you bring forth will be so much greater than if you had hired geniuses. So I really believe in that consistent day-to-day -day improvement. In addition to the, 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 the you know, relying on, on software development and the sprints, are there any other techniques you brought from the, from the, from the technical world like to, to Kenmore? Simple, like making sure that um, you work on OKRs, right? And it's it's so common in 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 the world of tech. You know, we high tech. Everybody talks about OKRs. You know, I'm I'm a big believer in if you can't measure it, you can't manage it, right. and it won't get delivered. Know your OKRs. Simply put. Very clearly, you need to know what success look like, looks like every day, every week, every month. That is another, like in addition to the weekly sprints, the simple technique of OKR really, really works. The third thing that we incorporated in Comcast and to a certain extent in HP was what we call as black box thinking and black box thinking is highlighting failures so that everyone can learn from them and it never ever happens again and and this also helps bring a very positive relationship with failure and it i, I, I want to highlight this the airline industry adopted black box thinking anytime there is a near miss let's say 
between a Boeing and an Embraer. Right. They published that, tell the whole world, so that Airbus and everybody else can change their algorithms. But in the world of healthcare, they tend to hide, afraid of lawsuits. Right. If you see, flying has become so safe. And and black box thinking that the, this book um, uh, called black box thinking highlights that, and we incorporated that methodology very early on in the world of tech, and I really think I want to see a status report with a lot of reds. And I think there is another industry that does this really well: the Four Seasons Hotel. They want to know the issues with customer satisfaction every day. If someone says, right. I didn't have any issues, they don't trust because <laughs> there has to be issues. There's got to be. <laughs> right. And I really think that is the third methodology that I brought along with me from the world of tech. Um, and and uh, you know that 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 really uh, uh, makes a difference. So d- weekly sprints, black box thinking, and uh, finally OKRs. Because if you can't measure it, you can't manage it, and it won't get delivered. Like I keep telling that to myself, like every day. I I love the quote that it, I just wrote down that you said very positive relationship with with failure. Um, you know, how did how did the employees, you know, respond? Because they had kind of had, I'm assuming they had had a, a bit of a tough run for some of the longtime employees, like when you were taking over. So was was that embraced where it was saying, okay, um, you know, this this two, 2018, you know, until until you took over, um, you know, how, how did employees react to to being encouraged to, to have a very positive relationship with with failure? Look. When you take an approach of leadership has to be earned and it's not bestowed, you have to earn your leadership. That means you got to earn the respect and trust of your team. And the only way to do that is initially and then forever highlighting and then and showing that you show up the blue-collared work ethic really, really helps. Second, more than words, your action should speak for words. Three is extraordinary empathy that is needed. And on my team, I have people who have worked in Sears for 45 years, Ed, 45 wow. years. And let me tell you, Bobby Stapp, our head of licensing, I can put her up against any Silicon Valley entrepreneur. She works with the same unabashed gusto to like hit deadlines, close deals. From a leadership perspective, there are five attributes. You gotta model the right behavior. You gotta inspire. You gotta challenge. You gotta enable. You gotta encourage. And we focused on making sure that in addition to challenging the team, 
we spent an equal amount of time inspiring, enabling, and encouraging. And that was the behavior that we modeled. And I, I'm, I'm very happy to say that my team is definitely a startup team. Yeah, that's it, you. You, if you don't lose that, that that's just such a valuable thing that, uh, culturally that just permeates through. And I just, you said, model, inspire, challenge, enable, um, encourage, enable and encourage. It's it's out, outstanding. So, in terms of, um, I'm just going to ask you um, how. So that that that's the first answer to this question. <laughs> how are you able to double sales and expand the brand to thousands of new locations? But you know that that model should certainly didn't hurt. But there were some you know some real logistical challenges too. Um, you know how did you how did you go about doubling those sales and expanding the brand? Yeah, I we we don't talk numbers. Um, you know, and I, I, I just want to highlight what we focused on is identifying the core of the problem is first unlocking supply. The second thing that we focused on is our licensing business. And then when you're talking about doubling, you know, I'm talking about the licensing business doubling it. And I give you an example of, of, of Bobby who is 45 plus years um, with Sears, who is actually heading it. And she's the one who's killing it, hmm. hitting it out of the park, right? So that's just to give you an example because the framework for leadership here, there are three things there. Growth mindset. So being extraordinarily curious, you know, we embrace and nurture the learning culture asking the second derivative, third derivative, fourth derivative question. So that's a growth mindset, which is the G. The second one is being authentic. And the third one, I don't know if this comes across, but being truly passionate about what you're doing. Absolutely. They had so many opportunities to abandon the ship. They did. They stayed back. They pushed the limits. And, you know, that's, that's a culture, what I call as a gap culture, growth mindset, authentic, and passionate. Gap culture. Got it. Um, switching gears a little bit. Um, earlier this year, Kenmore announced the plan to electrify 1 million homes in the United States. Now, this could save U.S. homes over a billion over the next decade. Can you tell us a little bit more about how this program works and, and what it will achieve? Yeah, it's um, fairly easy. Whole home electrification, I want to highlight, is a product of energy security for the, for the nation. It's a bipartisan agenda. We want to make sure as a country, we are not dependent on anybody else for our energy consumption. Think about it this way, Ed. When OPEC reduces oil production, what happens to gas prices under gas stations? It, it, it just goes through the roof. Right. And that's something that nobody wants. Nobody wants that. So the second thing is, if you look at the number of cyber security attacks that are happening, those cyber security attacks 
are associated in many a times to the grid, right? The utility companies. And making sure, especially with what we are seeing with the rolling blackouts, with the excessive heats and blackouts associated with changing weather patterns in, in, in different parts of the country, we decided that a great place to play was in whole home electrification where a home works really well with the grid. And one of the first steps in whole home electrification is high efficiency appliances like HVAC with um, induction cooktops, electric dryers, heat pump based water heaters. And guess what else is happening Ed? is the rise of electric vehicles. So people are like buying electric vehicles, going on Amazon, buying an EV charger. They bring the EV charger home. They call an electrician. The electrician comes home and they say, hey, you know, you, you have an older home. You only have an 100 amp circuit coming into your home. Mm -hmm. And I can't put this EV charger here because you're going to exceed the threshold because you have a water heater and you have, you know, HVAC systems. So you want to call your utility company. So what you do next is you call the utility company. The utility company will come to your home. They'll look at your front yard and say, hey, you know what? This is going to be 20 grand because I need to dig up your front yard and, you know, put up bigger ampere each pump. Right. The, this, this story we hear over and over again, you know, with, with, with the EV chargers being installed at people's homes. So we found a better way. We signed a relationship with um, a company that makes electrical digital panels so that you can load balance. You can still have the 100 amps, but when the water heater is on, you can throttle the EV charging so that you don't exceed the 100 amps. Okay. Right. So enabling whole home electrification without basically, you know, spending a lot of money to like bring in a bigger pipe into your home. So I highlighted energy security as being paramount. I highlighted the problem statement associated with the rise of electric vehicles and, the, and, and some of the problems that we have seen with EV charging in people's homes. The third thing is an enabler, Ed, is what is called the Inflation Reduction Act that was passed, I think, on the 22nd of August last year, where based on your household income, you could get electric appliances and the installation of those electric appliances based on your household income literally for free. And why would anybody say no to free? Right. Especially... <laughs> if your appliances have come for a replacement cycle. And wait a minute, it doesn't end there. We have in our umbrella company, a sister company, which is Sears Home Services, they have technicians making 80,000 visits to people's homes every week. And think about the number of replacements. Like 
you you call in for an appliance repair that appliance is like 15 plus years old let's take your couch example let's say 10 to 12 years old and the you know to repair let's say the estimate is 300 plus dollars at that point in time the technician might say hey you know what why don't you replace this and the customer would say how much would it cost you say it's 800 dollars but wait based on your zip code if your annual income is less than this you can get the appliance for free and and it doesn't end there we will install it for free so being present at the point of thirst and and, and giving them the right electrolyte or water to quench their thirst is such an easy sale hit. So in terms of revitalizing the brand, we had we'd talk, talked about brands when we first started. Um, I, I think that what what's interesting when you really think about it, you know, Kenmore has been through, I, I think you're about to introduce the company, depending on who's, how you define generation to maybe the the fifth or sixth generation of the, of the Kenmore brands, you know, um, how do you, um, just continue to make it appealing to the younger generation and, and, and what, what makes that brand's identity, identity successful as the next generation become the, the decision-making consumers? We've taken an approach of revitalizing, rejuvenating the brand. And, and, and let me walk you through that. The first thing was the mission statement for Kenmore is live more. And when you say live more, I'm truly passionate about clean air, clean water, clean food, energy, and water conservation. We are living in a world where there are wildfires. And earlier this year, we introduced air purifiers under the Kenmore brand. And in terms of energy, we earlier spoke about the whole home electrification and decarbonization. In addition to that, from a brand perspective, I know Gen Xers, baby boomers, they all know about Kenmore because they've walked into a Sears stores yep. before. But you know what is happening at Gen Z's are buying Kenmore. <laughs> and I was scratching my head. And as in my conversation with one of our partners on why Gen Z's are buying Kenmore, it's because you highlighted that earlier. It reminds them of their grandmother's cooking. Right. You can't take that nostalgia aspect away. And then there is a modern twist, whole home electrification, decarbonization that basically plays to the rising tides that the younger generations, the millennials and the Gen Zs really, really appreciate. And then the messaging of Kenmore equals live more is, is actually resonating in the marketplace. And human health span and longevity, if you look at it, it's about breathing clean air, eating clean food, getting exercise. And it's just going back to the basics. 
And in my opinion, if we can enable our mission statement is help our customers or consumers lead better and better quality of life. And you know that seems to be resonating in the marketplace. So summary is affordable innovation for all, live more, there is a nostalgic component. Remember grandmother's cooking. Yep. There is a modern twist associated with electrification and decarbonization. And we package that all together, you know, as we deliver products. At the point of thirst, and that's that's really, really important. Absolutely. I, I, I work with uh, just about everybody I work with. I'm, I'm firmly Gen X and and everybody is uh, that I work with is, is the the generations that come next. And I, I do think they, they give an eye roll every now and then, but they are listening. And I think your, uh, your product sales are showing that they are, they, that that is equating into, uh, you know, in, into, in, into, into their purchasing, uh, purchasing habits. So it, it, it is really interesting. And I, I think as we wrap up, you know, um, there's, there's a handful of companies that, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm putting you guys in with the, with the IBMs and, you know, of, of the world, <laughs> those, those hundred year old companies that, that, um, are, are still, still out there doing it. You know, do you have any advice for other legacy companies that, you know, are at the, the 70 year mark, <laughs> these, 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 up and comers at 70 years old or 35 years old, like SHI is, um, you have any, any other, uh, advice for legacy companies looking to innovate and adapt? you know, kind of to the to demands of the of the modern world, like just, just like you guys have done. Very simple. Use the modern techniques. Leverage some of the modern techniques to run your company. It's so helpful. Like the the, the uh, as I highlighted, focus on weekly sprints and basically b- black box thinking. There are certain practices that you need to jettison, but adopt some of the best practices and processes of, of startup and, and software and, and leverage that, you know, they are, they, they are your friends. That's, that's number one. The second one is understand what the mega trends are. And it's very clear. If I were to be giving advice to a 16 year old or a 17 year old going into college, what would you want them to study? I can tell you very easily that they need to be focusing on human longevity because that's evergreen. Like, and, and, and there are lots of things there, you know, biotech and computing. Um, the, the second one is anything to do with AI, use AI as a friend, you know, AI as a tool for productivity. Um, so that's, that's, that's the second space. The third space is sustainability. You know, that there is a growing uh, exponential ramp up of products focusing on, on, on sustainability and climate tech. And understand the geopolitical dynamics, supply chain, as I highlighted, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that can be your competitive advantage. We are moving for the first time in the last 60, 70 years, the products are not going to get cheaper and faster because we are going through the deglobalization. Manufacturing is being reshored. So just knowing the mega trends and playing 
the mega trends to your advantage is the third thing. And the fourth thing, most importantly, that it's it's my primary work ethic is never take more than you can give. Never take more than you can give. In any conversation, any walk of life, any product, deliver value and ask yourself this question. And you brought this up earlier, Ed. Would I let my mom buy this product with her own money? Right. The answer should be an overwhelming yes. A lot about the changes that, that you have enacted at Kenmore. Uh, I want to close it off by asking you, um, you came to the company and did you see something where, where that Kenmore was doing? You said, you know what? We're never going to change that. We're always going to keep doing that. Um, what comes to mind when I ask that question? Rejuvenating the brand every decade. Yep. From sewing machines to appliances to pioneering and, 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 and being one of the early companies working with the EPA and Energy Star, there has been a spectacular array of Phoenix moments for this company. And, and, and Ed, when I'm not working, I like to run and I like to run on trails. And when you run on trails at times you fall and this is a classic example of it's not how often you fall, but how quickly you get up and run that right. defines you. Comebacks are always stronger than setbacks. And that is never going to change. I love it. Well, I really am looking at the clock and uh, we're, we're running low on time. So I just want to remind everybody we've been talking with Shri Solar, the, the CEO at Kenmore. When we think of innovation heroes, we often think of cutting-edge startups, but innovation can happen anywhere. Uh, Shri, thank you so much for sharing how you've revolutionized Kenmore and brought it into the modern age and for sharing tips on how other business leaders can, can innovate as well. Um, and I just want to, again, thank you so much for your time and for being with us today. Thank you, Ed, for having me. Have a wonderful day. Thanks to our listeners for joining us. Please make sure to follow and subscribe to Innovation Heroes wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, new episodes are now available on YouTube. We'll be back with another inspiring hero in two weeks. Until then, I'm your host, Ed McNamara, and this is Innovation Heroes. This episode is also brought to you by SHI's all-new Generative AI Briefings. Uncover your roadmap to innovation with a series of briefings and workshops designed by our technology experts. Contact your account executive or visit shi.com to learn more about our all-new executive briefings for generative AI.